Hello. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'll take it, I guess. Good morning, everyone. Eric Bjorndorf here, CEO of Evernet Consulting. You're watching Finance and Technology Insights. I'm with my co-host, Brian Williams. Good morning, Brian Williams, Northshire Consulting. So what's going on? Not a whole heck of a lot. The news cycle seems a little quiet. Um, on the family front, home front, the girls just started a, a really cool camp day camp program that we, we were... Um, we were fighting to get into and uh, yeah, they started that yesterday and uh, it was cool. The, the camp actually runs a bus. So uh, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Just, I I saw that you had posted that to Facebook. I think it was, and I saw the picture. So yeah, that's super nice. picture. Yeah. I mean, we're the, we're the kind of family that like, you know, we, we do sports, we do, you know, camps and things like that, but it's not unheard of for the for the girls to uh, burn a week uh, in the summer, you know, floating around the house. You know what I mean? Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's OK. It's, it's okay. I mean, I grew up like, you know, unstructured summers, but um, it's you know, it's, I'd rather my wife's a little more casual than I am. But I I'd rather keep them keep them kind of focused with, you know, a week here, a week there in the summer is OK. But I prefer to keep them kind of busy. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, so Luke's going to continue to go to to his preschool all all summer, or at least four days a week, three to four days a week, um, as stuff pops up. So that'll keep him pretty active all summer. He started uh, tennis, so he started that last Tuesday, and uh, he's and that's on. Yeah, so that's every Tuesday, and he's still doing karate on uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. So, so by the time that, he's twenty, his rotator cuffs will just be completely <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but the tennis—I mean, it's you know, again, it's super young kids. They're just they're just running around doing yeah. some stuff. They just uh, so that that was pretty good. He enjoyed that. Just kind of a, ta- a town wreck type of thing. And um, what does what is your wife's name is Lauren? Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. What does Lauren do during the summer when she's not running the classroom? Well, she's she's doing uh, pretty much her travel stuff almost full time during the summer. So she does. Um, she's a teacher, travel right? agent. Yeah. So she yeah. she does travel um, a lot of cruise stuff, a lot of Disney stuff. Um, those are probably her two main focuses. But, uh, you know, anywhere she's been or anything that she's done, she leverages that to kind of help people out so is she um, dragging you to alaska or orlando this summer uh well so so our mother-in-law my mother-in-law her mother is in florida she's in the villages which is maybe 40 minutes away from disney so um i'm, I'm sure we'll be down there at, at some point and i don't i don't mind going down there i don't need to go to disney every day um so I'll just go maybe once or something, but it's not really my thing. But if they want to stand in line for an hour and 90 yeah. degree heat, so be it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way, you know, luckily the way business is now I can, you know, pretty much bring whatever I need down there and yeah. just have my regular day down there. So, so no issues there. Scoot so out the golf cart for a little bit for a ride if I need to, but yeah. I've got two side rants. So the villages and Disney, which yeah. you want to start? Yeah. the villages. So okay. I saw, I saw a Netflix documentary on the villages. Is that correct? Is, what, it, yes. I was it Netflix or was it just something, or maybe it was something different on YouTube, but yeah, I keep on YouTube. to watch that. We, we haven't got to it yet. 
Um, so, so I guess it's a pretty wild time down there or it can be, huh? Can be. Yeah. Did, have you, have you, have you witnessed any, uh, octogenarian, uh, orgies or anything or no, no, not, not something I'm in. I mean, there's going to be that kind of stuff anywhere, I guess you go, but when you get that many, you know, people there with, with pretty much wide open, open days and it's only 50 plus, it's not like it's some kind of, you know, it's, um, a retirement community yes but and there's also a rule where they have to have a certain percentage of um houses open to the general population i guess you'd say so um oh. which makes sense because you do have you know businesses and it's a city i mean it is you know populations like 65 70 000, so that's um like west hartford size probably right that's um, amazing so, so obviously you need people to work at things. If everybody's retired, that doesn't make for a very uh, healthy work environment. So right. no, I haven't. Um, but yeah, there is some pretty wild stuff and they, it is like the STD capital of the country or something like that. So, is that rumored though? Or is that, is that confirmed? I think it is official. Yeah. We can probably <laughs> look it up, but, um, that's so, so funny. But uh, yeah, so have so, you have you how many times have you gone down there? Quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least at least once a year for the last six or seven years, I guess. So and have you have you done like some good touring on the golf carts around the, the community? <sighs> yeah, I mean, just g golf carts. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a fun thing to do, but it's also in a lot of instances the most efficient means yeah. of transportation. So, um, you know, the way it's a it's a planned community, obviously, and everything is, you know, it's a lot of even if if you're in the car it's a lot of like traffic circles and then it's also a lot of gates and stuff so um you know and in, in a lot of places your max speed even driving is is 30 miles an hour that's what the speed limit is so if you're in a golf cart you're scooting around at 15 20 maybe mm. plus without some of the some of the restrictions because they've got their own lane they've got tunnels they've got all this sort of stuff so if you're, you know, running to the grocery store for something that is even going out to eat or something. I mean, that's still the most effective place. And yeah, um, so I, I, yes, I try to get a ground groundswell movement for golf cart support here in West Hartford, but I don't know. The community didn't seem to be responsive to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense and, and, and even rural places will do it a lot. You know, they'll have them for just kind of going around their property and stuff, but Connecticut shore has a number of towns that, that does golf carts, that yeah. supports golf carts. I did some research on it. So the, the, each city or town has what's called a tr local traffic authority. And, it, and that, that is an individual that is, that is, um, that is given that responsibility in our town. It's, it's sometimes in some towns, it's the sheriff or the, or the, um, the chief of police. Some towns okay. it's the, um, town manager. Some, some towns it's the mayor in our town. It's the town manager. I sent him an email. And I was like, you know, what do you think about golf carts in, in town? And he's like, no, don't even, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll just keep firing up my, my V8 gas guzzler to go, 300 feet down the street to stop and shop rather than an electric golf cart. Yeah. What about, what about a Segway? Um, well, I mean, it's just the form factor. You know what I mean? Sometimes like, if you, you know, you don't always want to be on your feet, right? I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. you're carrying bags or something. So a golf cart, you know, supports is kind of like the perfect form factor for grocery shopping. What kind of weight would your mower support if you wanted to use it as a skateboard? 
Yeah, I thought about the mower to be honest with you, but it's yeah. um, it, it's like a twenty horse gas gas powered motor. It's and it's loud and obnoxious. It's really not the direction. But no, I bet your robot mower. If you oh, want to <laughs> oh, the robot mower. Yeah, yeah. The other thing too is the 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 kids' elementary school and, and junior highs are like right here, a couple like a couple blocks, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it would just be funny. My sister down in Florida, she's in Gainesville, and, and they're you know they she says they've got half the school shows up in golf carts or quads to, to school. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my high school, um, a lot of people take snowmobiles in the winter, a lot of the, yeah. the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Probably even some of the teachers and stuff do. Yeah. I like, I like that. The multimodal, you know, this, this, this town is, and, and a lot of towns are just so homogenous with cars. It's just cars, everything, make cars, everything. They we want to drive their cars up to the bar stool, you know, or the, or the rest, mm. you know, it's like, they just, it's just crazy how car centric this the communities can be. Anyways, switch, switching gear. The next thing well, is so that was that was your full rant on on the villages, or that was the village. That oh, was okay. village. Anytime oh. I could talk about a golf cart community, it really excites me. Okay. Oh, so your rant was more about West Hartford not allowing you to do your golf. Well, cart. no, the the villages were interesting because oh, for okay. some reason I keep they keep coming up, and you know, it's, I don't know what what's that science called where like if you think of something or whatever, like mm -hmm. all of a sudden you start seeing it more. Yeah. Right. It's, and uh, I don't know why, but I keep, I keep seeing like content or context where the village keeps kind of cropping up. And, um, I think you turned 40. So they're, they're, <laughs> they're pushing the retirement stuff on you. I think those who know about the villages know about the villages, but yeah. I think that like a large swath of America doesn't know about the village. Well, you know, what's funny as it as it always gets a it gets a reaction like you said either you know or you don't know so it's either like oh you know my my mother-in-law is down in the villages and it's oh what's that or it's oh boy you know it's one of those two things it's never like a neutral neutral reaction it's either i've exactly. never heard of it or oh yeah i know all about that place yeah exactly which is so funny it's so funny um anyways i was gonna rant on disney but i don't think i need to go there okay all right. Yeah. We, I, we, I think we've probably done that before and, and covered it, have. but it's hey, let's, it's a check the box item. It's something you should go to, you know, if you got kids, you want to maybe take them when they're a little younger, a little like, I don't know, eight, yeah. nine, 10, somewhere in that range. And then if they want to go back as a teen, you know, check the box. But other than that, that's kind of yeah. it. All, all I'm saying is magic kingdom benches. I mean, come on. Mm. Yeah. And the food is, horrific yeah food's is horrible i mean i when i got there for the first time with the kids i'm like okay this is cool you know we're putzing around slow walking and i'm like all right well let's just take a take a seat for a moment like let's plan our approach here you know mm. i'm looking i'm looking around and like not there's nowhere to sit you know yeah I'm like, how can how can how can the magic kingdom not have a park bench? how can the magic kingdom be hostile to sitting yeah, there certainly is some strange things there. Yeah, don't even think about buying gum anywhere near that place. Not sold on premise, not even sold like at the gas stations around there. So Yeah. Oh, and the, and the selfie sticks. Did you know there's a prohibition on selfie sticks? <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm okay with that, though, because that could get that could get a little bit dicey. I don't know. I don't you get a, when you get a crowd that big and somebody's going to lose their phone, drop it, and so-and-so stepped on it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't think the government needs to protect us of losing us, losing us. Oh, no, I'm not talking about the government, but well, I mean, they are the effective government, aren't they? Well, they are there, but it's still their private. Well, that's a the whole show thing. But yeah, mm. 
If you want to ban selfie sticks at your business, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I suppose. All right. So what's going on in the... Well, so uh, the, the thing that caught me yesterday a little bit was the uh, the broadband internet access. Did you follow that? That was the... So that was the big announcement yesterday from from Biden Harris of, of their. And let me pull up the numbers because I don't I want to. Pull it up. I don't want to ruin this too much here. Um, so it was an announcement yesterday that got some press, but obviously they were more interested in trying to get the Biden to talk about the uh, Russia situation over the weekend and the Wagner Group and all that. Um, right. Right which itself is a fascinating story, probably not something we really need to cover on here, but that's crazy. That whole, how all that went down. The Russian coup. Yeah. This guy gets his whole, you know, private military together to head to Moscow. And then halfway there is like, nah, I'm all set. I'm going home. Yeah. That, that dynamic is we could, I mean, we could talk on it. I mean, who cares? We're, we're not going to alienate anybody in our audience. I'm sure. Um, I mean, the, the notion that a world power contracts a private army is kind of is kind of bizarre unto itself anyways. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that I think that is pretty wild. They've got, um, of course, I get a pop up out here. But yeah, I mean, the fact that this they've got the private military group that's that's, you know, fighting with them in, in Ukraine and getting all this press. And it sounds like this guy that heads that got a little too big for his britches and uh you know wanted to talk to some military leaders and they didn't want to talk to him and he said fine we're going on moscow but he had to know that it, that if it didn't go well that he'd be you know we'll see how long he lasts well, but he's, he's in exile he lost his group they're going to be assimilated into the regular military um are they going to be assimilated or did they disband i mean i'm i'm sure they want well, to be i think assimilated. i think I think they need the fighters. So I think they're, and they're good fighters. So I think they, they need all the help they can get. So I don't so think they it makes did, sense. So, so they put, so I know he's going to Belarus, but did he lose, did he, did he, uh, not withdraw, but did he, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Did he, he gave up he, his army basically? I don't think that it was his choice. They, it's been disbanded by, the Kremlin and they're going to assume control of it and whatever. And he's not in charge of it anymore. So. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought he was taking his 30,000 strong to Belarus. Mm -mm, nope. Just him. Pretty sure it's just him. Oh yeah. He's, he's going to be, he's going to be taking a swan dive through, through a window within the next 12 months for sure. You, you would think so. He's going to, I mean, unless this was all theater, right? I mean, there's a, there's a big part of that, that this, yeah, this would have been theater, right? possibility to create a distraction a diversion from something right or yeah i mean if your enemy thinks you're weak does that make you strong you, you well know that's I mean? well that was the big uh, some of the stuff i was listening to this morning and the jury's still out on that does this strengthen putin or weaken him you know does it the the, the case for strengthening would be that somebody came after him got scared turned around and went home uh the case for weakening him would be that there's descent in the ranks and you know if somebody else tries this could they be more successful with it or who knows yeah and then I of mean, course that... there's the 
there's the outsider's perspective, which is, you know, the, the enemy, you know, type of thing, you know, okay, great. If, if Putin's not there, who's next, you know, who's, who's next man up and could they be um, more difficult to deal with than Putin is. Right. I mean, is there, is there, right. Is there a, a column of policy change waiting, sitting underneath Putin, or is it just going to be, you know, one, one, one dictator out and another one comes in. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyways, I wanted to talk about this internet deal. So this was, this was yesterday. So high speed internet is a necessity. President Biden pledging all U.S. households will have access by 2030. So we got a seven year time frame. So he's putting 40 billion behind this and they've actually put out the numbers as to what each state is getting and what each states need. Um, so some of the chatter is, well, okay, high speed, that sounds great, but what exactly does that, what is the definition of that? And have Do we, they define it? I don't believe that they did. Uh, oh, here it says, uh, download, download speeds at 20 megabits per, it says megabits per second, and upload speeds of three. So that's... Don't, um, which I don't think that would anybody would consider that crazy fast, but well, that um, would give you one HD stream. Yeah, uh, funding is uh, one billion for 19 states, with the remaining states falling below the threshold. Allotments range from 100, 100 million for DC area to 3.3 billion for Texas. Um, 36,000 so, projects are already funded or underway to lay cable that provides internet access. Some of those are from $25 billion in initial funding. High-speed internet isn't luxury anymore. More than 7% of, country, of the country falls in underserved category. This is crazy. So what I wanted to get to was the number of people. Um, I don't know if this article says I can find one that what where is it the says it. But, though? That is crazy. Basically, about 8% of the population in the country does not have access to it, obviously. So it's, you know, fairly rural, right. rural type stuff. But when you do the math on how many, peop- how many people don't have access and the idea of spending $42 billion on it comes out to about 5000 a person. So um, I don't know how closely you've followed Starlink and similar technologies, but that was my Very first close. when I did the when I did the math and I'm thinking, geez, we're going to spend five grand a person to get internet access. Um, and I'm not saying that that is um, by any means expensive or not. I mean, listen, if you got, if somebody's, you know, miles away from the next person and you got to dig trenches or run wires all the way to their house, I'm not saying that uh, you could do that cheaper, but um, but it seems like you're it seems like you're throwing a lot of money at a problem that's likely going to be s- solved in a cheaper way. If, if your goal is 2030, I mean, geez, 2030, what's what's Internet access going to look like seven years from now? And do we need to spend 42 billion on it? Could we not get these people Starlink uh, stuff? So I'll leave that there for for you. What are your thoughts on this whole project? I have a the- lot of I have a lot of lot to say on this. All right, let's do it. Oh my god, this is this is this is really. I don't know if I'm like boiling over this or just a a, 
a, a guffaw. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just like, I, I, you just made the point. You, you, you just, you just made the point with data, and which is exactly what I'm feeling on this. I mean, the what's the head count? I mean, the, the what are the head, What's the headcount that's going to be the effective? So the, the new, uh, so I pulled up another article here from, from Reuters. The administration estimates that some eight and a half million locations in the U.S. lack eight and a half Eight and a half million people, which yep. accounts to, there's 330 million. So we're spending million. 42 billion. So it's, it's about $5,000 per location. Per location. I thought, yeah, but you know, I, I've had friends. I mean, growing up in Smithsbury, I've had friends that lived off of the main road, and yeah. I remember their, yeah, their my mother parents, and, yeah, just saying it would cost. I remember he hearing friends say it would cost because thirty years ago, thirty years ago, a friend of mine uh, crashed into a telephone pole, and her and her and her mom was pissed and screaming around the house because she had to buy an eight thousand dollar telephone pole. I mean, apparently that twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, it cost eight thousand dollars to install a telephone pole you know what i mean mm. um and then if you live off i remember my my best friend growing up he was off the road and you can imagine there, he was probably like two telephone poles off the main road and they didn't have cable growing up because um the cable company said it was going to cost about eight grand or, or so or ten grand to get cable to the house and that was that was 25 years ago you know mm -hmm. um this is oh god this is you know, this is one of those situations where, and I, I want to say Democrats because they're they're like the liberal spend anything group, in, um, but really like Republicans are just, they don't have a recent track record either. So it's really government at large, if you ask me. Um, just an example of like horrible spending, horrible policies. Um, a tr I, I dare say, you know, the, you've heard the expression transfer of wealth or um, is it transfer of wealth? You know, the government takes in from everybody and then like redist or redistribute redistribution, redistribution of wealth. I mean, this is exactly one of those scenarios where it's like trample on the many to to serve the few under the guise of some supposed human right. You, you, you know what I mean? Like broadband right. internet is not a human right. And I'm sensitive to underserved communities. I really am. I really, mm -hmm. really am. But the, the moral. Now, I, yeah. Huh? Yeah. And I, I would jump in for a second there and say, it's, this is one area where the government does, does have some responsibility there. Cause at this point it is, it's not necessarily, it's not a right, as you said, but it is, it is somewhere where the government does need to step in and very much like electricity or phones or, you know, quality access to, you know, police coverage or fire coverage. You do have to cover, you know, and it is at that point where you essentially can't live without this kind of stuff. You can make the case for libraries or all that kind of stuff. And I get that. So I do think this is an area where the government needs to step up. But some of that could just be you know, they do regulate utilities. They are regulating these companies to some extent, since they do have monopolies in this area, they can say, Hey, you know what, you're, you're making enough money in Southington and West Hartford where the houses are closer together. So what, if you've got to spend 20 grand to get this rural house, go get it done. Why not just do that? I would, and I would be more in favor of that. 
I would be more in favor of that because you're right. The government does issue effectively regional monopolies to, mm -hmm. to, to operators. So right. if you're going to issue, if you, and, and I thought that there was, there were the broadband, some, there was some broadband act that was, that was um, issued like 15, 20 years ago. I think that was, um, it was a result of, um, it was, Ma Bell was disbanded in what, the 70s, 80s. And then they started, they started reconsolidating again, you know? So mm -hmm. it was one of the major mergers, AT&T buying some, 3Com uh, or to tell something, I don't know, but they, um, in order for a, um, one of the big phone companies to acquire another big phone company, again, there was, there was something to the effect that broadband had to be brought out to, to, or to, um, rural and underserved communities. And like, there was an, a report issued on, on that. And it was like abysmal what they, what they did, you know? Um, yeah. so I just I would be just for, and I hate making these kind of broad, like, you know, assumptions and comparisons because it's not really apples to apples, but so the government that's spending $42 billion on this, on this program of our money, taxpayer money, who are already pay, overpaying probably for our internet and cable and all that stuff. What do you think Comcast's profits were last year? 44 billion <laughs> for the year. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's obviously Comcast is in a million other businesses and there's a ton yeah. of other cable companies or whatever, but that's our, you know, one of our local providers, Xfinity or whatever. But, you know, so it isn't, it isn't like there isn't fluff in some of these countries. In some and this of these is, this is, and this is exactly one of those things where uh, lifetime politicians have 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 crony capitalism so biden is already obviously a a a an opponent to elon musk and his and his enterprise right Correct. Mm -hmm. so you know how much money did the cable company uh and the phone company industry donate to biden for example right that mm -hmm. that's that would bring bring into question like how much did, did they donate to Biden's uh, campaigns over the last 20 years or whatever, right? Because they are the only ones who are going to benefit from this. This is a subsidy from the from the government that the, you and I are talking like make the telcos pay pay for it uh, out of their profits, right? Out of their 44 billion. No, the government's going to pay for it, which is a subsidy to those telcos, right? And then it does the added benefit of usurping or undermining the billions that Elon Musk is, is spending to put uh, low earth orbit uh, satellites in the, in, in above the earth to bring high speed broadband to underserved and rural com communities. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So, if, I mean, Elon, the, Elon is emotional in his own right, but I, I if, if I were Elon, I'd be like, this is just, it, it's yeah. like, it, it's like Atlas shrugged. You ever seen Atlas shrugged? Or sure. have you read, have you read the book? Yeah. You know, this is like the producers looking and going like, <laughs> what do you guys do? Like you, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy invented land self landing rockets so that he could reduce the cost to space. So, so that he could put a broadband satellite in place to service, you know, all of these far-reaching places that wires are not are impractical, and then uh, it's so funny. I just 
I mean, it's not bad to get a wire to every house in America, right? Like that's that concept is not a bad concept, but right. It's just what are the motives? You know what I mean? And what are the, the what are the execute the execution of it? It's just so messed up. Yeah, I mean, as as a taxpayer, I'm saying, and for those watching on video, we pulled up a a Starlink uh, availability map here, and it's it's really odd that they used all blues. I can't imagine that's uh, so. You've got you've got what's available, what's waitlist, and coming soon. This is essentially the whole majority of the country here is available, right? Unless holy I'm, cow, I'm look at the whole continent though. And then this is this is. And when you mouse over most of what's on waiting list, it says expanding 2023 um, and everything else is, you wow. know, a lot of, so, so they said the majority of the money is going in, into Texas. It looks like I would say over half of Texas is available now in the cities that are not available through Starlink. I mean, the, the Eastern part of the state is not available through Starlink, but that's Dallas, Houston. That's likely already covered by broadband services anyway. Right. So, um, so when you look at the, did look wonder, at the. Um, I wonder what the uh, what what the explanation for that little pocket was uh, over there in New yeah. Mexico. Did you see that? I don't know. I, yeah. Let me go back to that. This New Mexico. Oh, what? maybe that's it. Is that area fifty one. I don't know. What, what mouse over it? What does it say? Nothing. Oh, that's bizarre. Is that you? You think that's a government installation? I don't know. We'd have to look at that. I wonder if they overlay that. What, what is that? Well, zone? It could be. Uh, well, I don't know. I was going to say maybe it's um, like national park area or something. Or yeah, why would that wouldn't really matter anyway? It's but, bizarre. Yeah. There's um, little... Look at the whole continent, though. That's fascinating. Yeah. There's another one right. right there. I wonder why they blacked that out. What is that? Virginia? Oh, is that Camp David? Coming soon. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, we got a little pocket here. Jeez, you're not even cut. Oh no, that's not not quite you, but that might that be. The sound? No, that, I mean that's that's. Oh yeah, I guess I guess it is. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I thought this was a sound idea. Yeah, a little bit in the Long in Island the sound. But, but I mean, um, it's unlikely that if you're covered on the, both sides of the sound that they're block they're blocking you out there. Yeah, I was looking for. Um... I don't know why I'm so irritated by this. I mean, yeah, I, I knew that would I knew that would get you fired up. The first thing I did yesterday was when I when I read the article is just just did the math. I'm like, all right, forty two billion, eight million people without it, five grand a piece. And then I was like, all right, well, what is what does Starlink cost? What is this? It, Starlink's um, like a hundred dollars a month. I mean, it, it's yeah, and and you gotta buy it. You gotta buy the the satellite deal. People were complaining about the five hundred dollars satellite, but who, I mean, come on, like that. Get, yeah, it's better than better than nothing. Better than nothing. I mean, if you ask me, that's worth four times the amount to a rural house that just has no chance of broadband. Oh, if yeah. You and you're and you're paying and and we as taxpayers are going to spend five grand a person, five grand a household on this. Right. Forty two billion. Yeah. So. I wonder I wonder if this money will 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 subsidize the, the dish, for example. I mean, I wonder if the government will like just wake up, wake up and be like, we can get we can get them the dish and, and save the money. I will say that, like, comp I am a proponent of com uh, competition. Competition is so vital for a healthy economy. So, mm -hmm. you know, Elon was that whole map that you just had on screen on the western, the ha western half, the half and western side of the country, which which 
we all know is the most rural space in America. Yeah, or it's in, covered. In the, yeah, it's it's covered. So, you know, Elon does have the an effective monopoly on that space. Um, but the waste, though, just the waste attributable to dra dragging a wire to, I mean, you can't even picture, I mean, sitting in my neighborhood, you just, you just can't imagine like some of these installations. And then the other thing is like a lot of these houses, uh, like my friend growing up, my, my, uh, my, uh, in-laws, uh, my son's, my son's grandparents, they, they have like a mansion that's like off the beaten path, but, and they don't have they didn't have broadband, you know, 20 years or 15 years ago when we were together, but you're like, like there's a lot of wealthy people that are going to benefit from this. Oh, I know. Right. Yeah. That's, that's part of what, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's not, it's not just uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird that those two things kind of get lumped together. You know, they, they talk about, you know, rural and, and this and that, and then they go right into, well, this will help you know, people escape poverty. And it's like, well, why do you, why do you automatically make the connection to rural as being poor? And some, obviously in some instances there's overlap, but sometimes people are rural out of, you know, choice. choice. They choose to be there and that's their second home and third home. And like is, home, is Kevin you know? Costner's Yellowstone ranch going to get broadband now? Yeah. I mean, I think about you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, and I think about a, a large part of the, the Adirondacks. I mean, there's no cell service. There's not great internet. And, but sometimes that's a good thing, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that whole and, thing. Is this going to age well? You know what I mean? In, in 10 years when we look back, no. is this going to age well? Are we, are we like, and, and I'm sensitive we'll about to the it. fact that I might be like, I might be arguing like against seatbelt laws, you know, from the thirties or forties, you know what I mean? And yeah, then, I don't like, think so. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that? That was a funny TikTok that for what was going around a few weeks ago. It was, there was a couple of them. There was one of, that was like a local news broadcast of, of people, uh, yeah. opposed to the seatbelt laws or something like that. And there was some small <laughs> yeah. town that instituted yeah, yeah. a seatbelt law. And there was some guy like, well, this is going to hurt businesses because, because people that don't want to wear seatbelts are going to drive around our, our town or they're not going to come through it for risk of being I mean, fine. Pretty, pretty soon they won't let you have a beer on your way home from work. You know what I mean? Well, that was the other one, too, that was going around. I was like, <laughs> I work hard at my job all day. If I want to crack open a drink on the way home, the government shouldn't tell me to, you know, what to do. I think it was a woman with, an, with a toddler in her front seat, wasn't it? <laughs> I didn't see that one. I think yeah. so. Toddler on their lap, right? Yeah. I know. No, I, th oh. I think this is the opposite. I think when you, I mean, this is just, ugh, it's just such a waste here. What is the uh, government? Government's got to be govern government. I mean, it's one, it's just, I don't know. I would have loved to see a little bit. It seemed like it got coverage, but it was like basically just the press release type type coverage. You know, I read all the stories and they were all the same. There didn't seem to be a lot of, I even went down the rabbit hole of Twitter, which I don't usually do. Cause I was like, yeah. where's like, shouldn't there be a little bit more outrage about this? Shouldn't there be a little bit more like, what are we doing here? Are we, you know, are we, can we really get into a rat hole? Let me, so like, it's, it's these kinds of, it's this kind of uh, policy choices that, mm -hmm the way that the government will fund this is not immediately by raising, not immediately by raising taxes, but it, they will, they will go to the federal reserve and borrow more money, which 
the practical effect of that is print more dollar bills. Mm -hmm. They will print print more dollar bills. And every time the Federal Reserve prints another dollar bill without taking one out of the supply, it makes every Mm -hmm. dollar bill in yours and my pocket less valuable. So that's called inflation. Yeah. And this country just does not seem to universally understand how that works. And it is not debatable. I know people will debate it and politicians will wordplay it and people will um, try to deflect and say the economy is so complex. We can't possibly see what the the silver bullet or the single problem. But no, when the federal government doesn't tax you and it spends money, it's borrowing it from the the one place that has the legal authority to counterfeit our, our money, which is the federal reserve. And, and that's called, what do they call that? They call that, um, quantitative easing is the, is the, is the, when did, when did that word, um, first well, quantitative out? easing is more about like, uh, like buying bonds back. And, um, that you started to hear that like around the financial crisis, um, right. 2008, 2009. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny you look at that, like as an investment advisor, seeing both sides of it. So, you know, what the government borrows money via their issue of treasury bonds. And when you buy a a treasury bond, you're loaning money to the government. And so, you know, I had a client put some money away last week from the, from the sale of a sale of a house. So I'm going in and I'm, you know, buying bonds. I'm buying some short-term treasuries because, you know, jokes aside about the U S government and the, and debt sailing and all that U S treasury bond is still, you know, the most secure asset on the planet. It just, it just is. So you're like, you know, you're getting, you're getting returns now on those treasuries, which we hadn't really had in 15 years. You, you, nobody was buying treasure while well, people were buying treasuries, but I mean, from an investment standpoint, you know, you, a lot of advisors weren't going in and buying treasuries because the interest rates were so low. Why would I buy treasuries and get almost zero? But now you're going out six months and buying treasuries, you know, that mature at the end of the year. And the interest rates, you know, five, four, five, five, you know, and it's like, oh, we're starting to get some interest. This is good from a client perspective, because suddenly you had all these people that were living on this, you know, old people live on that fixed income. They've, they've, that's, they had this idea that when they were going to retire, they, they just live off the interest and that hasn't, they haven't been able to do that. Now they kind of can get back to that. But at the same time, that's, that's money that the government is borrowing from these folks folks and now having to pay a higher interest rate on it so it's it's funny like as an advisor listening to to both sides of that like it's it's good that they're ha- that the government is paying interest because they're paying it essentially to some of my clients but at the same time we as taxpayers and stuff are borrowing this money and whatever it's just kind of an interesting headspace to be in sometimes yeah there is a there is a cost to this borrowing and the borrowing costs are significant you know we've we've been very lucky to basically borrow at zero for the last 15 years and now we're borrowing at not zero <laughs> and you know no different than you know the people that were you know getting mortgages at 2 3% now it's 6 7 you know credit cards and and all that stuff once the interest rates go up it hampers your ability to do things so mm-hmm. um, that's now happening at the at the largest level but um, so anyway, if you were curious about Connecticut, we will be getting uh, getting allocations by state or territory. We'll be getting a much of our money will be will we be getting back one hundred and forty four million dollars, one hundred and forty four million, one hundred and eighty thousand seven hundred ninety two dollars and seventy one cents is our 
allocation, $144 million. Um, Secretary of Commerce, his quote was, this is a watershed moment for millions of people across the country who lack access to high-speed internet connection who will soon have this necessary service to learn, work, and play. States can now plan their grant programs with confidence and engage that their communities will ensure they spend this money where it is most needed. And and again, just to renew my my position on this, the the carriers and service providers that have effective monopolies on entire districts could have just as well been mandated to drag their copper out to every house in the community mm-hmm. on their Absolutely. own on their own dime. So that's I think that's the position I'm going to take on that one. So there actually is a national coverage map, which we could Hold have taken this and overlaid the uh, Starlink map. Um, I don't know how to get rid of this thing here. Let me, uh, I'm going to put in any of our personal addresses Main here. Street, Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll just put in, uh, let's see if it just lets me zoom out all the way. Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty cool resource, though. Look at that. I haven't looked at that in years. So blue is right. covered? Covered? Yeah, I don't... I would assume so, yeah. So so what really are we looking at here as far it's the as... the density, though. If you zoom in on, like, where you... Where yeah. You zoom, where your dress was, there was... I'm not there take was, in... All right, so that's there it is, well, yeah. let's take a look at Connecticut. Let's zoom in here. It's gonna be like Durham, Litchfield. So yeah, so there's some some pockets here. Looks like that a little uh is it a hexagon? Right. So there's not a huge Boy, wouldn't you love to get a population run on these? I'm sure we could do it, but if we're spending 134 million dollars, I mean, think I mean, how many households are in these pockets? I mean, you might be looking at Connecticut spending 30 or 40 grand a person, a household on this stuff, right? Right. Oh, we could totally get like population runs on these and stuff. It'd be crazy. When you sure say population run, what do you what do you mean? Well, just just figuring out. So if we, you know, zoom in and see who doesn't like, you know, if you <clears throat> like we were doing the math on the national level, you know, forty two billion dollars for for eight million households without without access, it's about five thousand a person. But if you took took Connecticut and said, all right, how many people don't have access in Connecticut? And then All you right. look at 134 mil, 131 million that's being spent on it. Um, mm. Interesting stuff. That's good. I'm glad you brought that up. That that got us a show today. Yeah, how that's crazy. How we're 42 minutes in on this stuff. Um, yep. But yeah, we touched yeah. on that. Um, so, good content wise, you got anything coming up for the summer? Anything you're working on there? Um. No. So, well, let's just, just just clean up our, what, what last week's show was. We were going to go down to this. The, there's a C-Hub initiative, some cyber hub initiative that the state's launching down at Stanford. You and I were con- contemplating going down. I, I ultimately did not think that it was going to be worth my time. I think it's 
more geared towards HR and hiring and, you know, enterprises. So I, I don't know. I, and plus it looked, it looked real special, special interest to me or, you know, so I, I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't want to poo poo it, but I'm kind of poo pooing it, I guess. So <laughs> that's, that's why I, I mean, the train ride down to Sanford would have been fun, but I've got, an, I've got plenty of other things I can do with my time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I, one of those things that I'm doing is um, I'm studying a lot and just kind of boning up on um, security frameworks, um, cybersecurity frameworks and things. I don't know if I told you, but I'm, I'm studying to get this certification here. Did I tell you that? Oh, no, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, so I'm studying right now for this certification, the CISSP. Here's the kind of study guide, one of the two study guides. But this this certification um, from this organization, this is basically like a mastery level. This is a CIO level okay. certification. It's dense. It's really dense. Um, and as a result, um, I've been studying um, kind of, and I'm and I was knowledgeable of these themes, but maybe maybe it's just superficially or a little more than superficially so i'm kind of doing a deep dive so here's here's another this is a um another uh, standard uh called cobit and that's an update and then here's another book i'm i just i got yesterday um building a hipaa compliant cybersecurity program and this this talks about nist the nist 800 standard or the cybersecurity framework from nist which is um this came about in 2013. So, um, you know, I remember when it was announced and it was, and it was new and, um, I'm not an early adopter, so I didn't really pay much attention to it, but it seems like it's, it's, it's matured quite a bit. A number of these standards, as you can see, this COVID standard is 2000, this is a 2019 variant. Um, the other one was, I think 2005 or, or something like that. So, that's uh, that's what I've been going. That's what I've been working on, at least uh, professionally. So that's um, I don't know what my point was. I don't know, but that's uh, we're just talking about content for over the summer, so that's good. Oh, I'll yeah. Keep you posted on that. Yeah, so I'll 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 be producing some content related to that for sure, and and I'm starting to trickle it out a little bit. If you saw my LinkedIn po- a couple LinkedIn posts over the last couple of days. Yeah, and it's still a very hot topic, certainly in the advisor community as well, as far as cybersecurity requirements and all that kind of stuff. And the regulatory bodies are coming out with stuff, but as usual, they're going to be a little bit behind. Um, yeah, there's a number. My- I mean, the high value industries, the healthcare industries, uh, has has been their hand has been forced by the regulators. The uh, since 95 i think hipaa came out in 1995 and then was um touched up in uh, in 2013 2012 something like that when high trust came out um or high tech rather the high tech um, act and the cpa firms you know the aic cpa um has um you know this is it the SOC standard and um I think PCI DSS, do they, that might be an independent body, but um, I'm still like seeing some industries not being regulated or their, uh, their industry associations are kind of light on mm-hmm. their cybersecurity. Um, expect- Why do you think that is? is? Is it because things are changing so quickly or because it takes long to get this stuff out? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah. So like we support the legal industry that's one of our biggest markets that we service and 
they have they're not really regulated they are the american bar association has uh practice rules that they that they abide by and the american the american bar association's practice rules are really light on on cybersecurity um expectations and standards um and you know i don't know you know attorneys are often judges <laughs> and politicians and you know the ex you know i know that there's a high ethical standard that they they place on themselves to a certain degree um not uh, the two attorneys who used um open uh chat gpt for pleadings did you see that in the news? yes i did see that um those, those two attorneys notwithstanding what's interesting about that news article is the they they were called on it and they doubled down so yeah, that's why that's why they got really bagged for it. They should have just said like, yeah, we used a tool and we we made, you know, they could have easily fudged, you know, fluffed it and said like we used a tool. It was a practical tool, but we just mm -hmm. um, made errors in our review of the content or something. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be a naysayer or, you know, but, you know, let's face it, like the legal community largely influences re regulations. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's from their their trade professionals going through either the political, you know, becoming politicians or being judges. So it's like the people making our laws are lawyers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they may not be holding them. They may, it's like the, it's like the politicians trying, trying to vote for, for um, term limits and uh, you know, trying to get them to vote against uh, insider trading laws. So they can't do So they can't be, you know, it's like, why would they vote against their own interests? You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And they would turn around and say, well, we have term limits because you can vote us out, you know, you right. don't like us, vote us out. So, um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I'm doing um, once we get past the 4th of July here, I've, I got some pretty good stuff coming up. Um, the only one I have specifically scheduled yet is going to be on the July 12th. Um, doing a session with a third party administrator firm called 401k in a box. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, solo 401ks and solo cash balance plans, which um, is kind of interesting because a lot of people don't know too much about those. And what's happening now is so many people work, you know, side hustles or extra gigs and do this kind of stuff. And what used to happen is people would, might have their main job and they'd, you know, maybe save part of their paycheck and their big companies 401k and then their, their side hustle or whatever might be their spending money or their, you know, vacation money or whatever. Um, but now you actually have people who are doing that second job just for savings, you know, kind of putting that away. And a lot of times if you are, you know, doing that second job, um, and it doesn't have to be something crazy, even if you're doing, you know, stuff on Etsy or DoorDash or whatever. Um, and you want to put together a, a retirement plan around that, it might actually be more cost effective and more efficient for you to save your side hustle money. And then depending on what company you work for, maybe that 401k is not that great. Um, so you have the ability to kind of design something yourself that's small and inefficient. And you don't even have to, you know, max it out. You don't have to do all that kind of stuff. But in a lot of instances, it might make sense for you to set up something on your own um, rather than do something through your company. So we're seeing a lot of that shift lately. So we're going to talk about the uh, 
solo 401ks and some of the opportunities there for the self-employed or the partial self-employed. Um, in big picture, we could probably get into this topic uh, at another time too, but the idea that eventually we may move to a workforce where people don't just work for one company, and maybe we're kind of getting there now already, but basically where everybody's sort of an independent contractor and floating around and working for two or three different people um, at different times, different locations, all that kind of stuff. So flexibility and in, in sort of retirement accounts and stuff, I think. is Why, is, why isn't the, go the government just started a retirement plan for us? Well, they have social security, which is, but which is, um, don't want to, you know, a lot of people don't like social security, but it's helped a that lot was of people. In cheek. I wasn't, I wasn't, that wasn't, that was rhetorical. No, but I mean, that's, that's a, um, that's a, that is a big topic that's out there and there's been some registrate, um, some proposed legislation that, that does that, um, and, you know, on the surface, it's, it's not a terrible idea, even though that's, that's the business that I'm in. But, um, you know, you have the, the TSP, which is the government savings program, which works okay. Um, so for, for federal government workers, so there's, there is some push to say, well, why don't we just make this available to everybody? And why don't we just basically have, you know, kind of a universal 401k that every business can adopt into, um, and you're, then you're seeing that on a lower level with the states, which I've talked about probably way too much on here. But um, but anyway, so so that's a piece of content that we're doing on the on the 12th. Um, I think we're going to going to have some other stuff coming up, too, which. Uh, um, well, and that will get into that good. as it comes up, but um, good. summer is a good time to record content. So people yeah, are around good. and doing stuff. Well, the marketing team, I'm sure, has they have all sorts of uh, cards up their sleeves. So if they're I'm not sure what they're I just got a, a weekly report on it that I got to review. But I'm, I think there's a content calendar that we've got coming out. So nice. Good all stuff. right. Let's wrap it for the day. We'll, we'll pull it a little early. All right. Sounds good. I'm Brian Williams from Northshire Consulting, Connecticut based investment advisory firm working with individuals and small businesses to put together their retirement programs and you can find us at northshireconsulting.com social media stuff 401k and beyond where we have some interviews with some authors some industry folks all that kind of stuff so um, look for us there i'm eric bjorndorf ceo of evernet consulting a connecticut-based it and managed service provider we service professional businesses enterprise all over the country with their it and risk assessment and everything required for cybersecurity programs. Uh, you can find me at evernetco.com, schedule a discovery call right from there. And our social is at evernetco on all the big social networks. And we record every week on Tuesdays. And uh, this is Finance and Technology Insights. We do have a Facebook page, uh, YouTube channel, and uh, Brian uh, puts this audio on your favorite podcast app. So find us wherever you are. Have a good week. All right. See you then.